On this episode of the Average Sean podcast, Sean and Chris get into their best weekend yet in terms of making picks and gambling. We also get into a little bit of NFL talk, uh, some wildcard baseball talk, as well as previewing the next weekend in college football. So without further ado, let's go. All right, it is another episode of the Avershawn Podcast. Uh, Chris, let's just jump right into this. You and I had far and away our best weekend when it came to making picks and our pretend gambling picks because, once again, Maryland, still not active. I Uh, wish it was real. Yep, but, I mean, you were up basically three units. I was up just a hair over six units on the weekend. We killed it. That's crazy. So I I, I made up for some of my slack. In the first few weeks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we really, we didn't even have anything where, like, we didn't have any games where all three of our picks, you know, money line, spread, over-unders. We didn't have any of those where we got all of them wrong. We got at least one pick right on every single game. So, I'd say, you know, con- kudos to us. C- like, just, yeah. you know, props, props to us. Uh, so, you know, hopefully let's... Let's keep it rolling into this week. Uh, NFL-wise, uh, we're also not doing too bad. I'm, I'm only three picks up on you. I had a nice little 10 and 6 week while you went 9 and 7. How are you feeling about that? So far, so good. I just wish that you would stop picking one or two games different than me per week. But, you know, through, uh, through four weeks, I'm content, or I should say three weeks, but we're in week four now. Um, content only being three games behind you. So... Well, let's, let's get, see what happens. Let's get something straight. My picks for, for week five were submitted before your picks were. So if, if anybody's picking a game or two different from the other, that would be you, sir. I, I'm confident in all my, my, my differential picks between ours. Um, you, you, before we, we started recording, you were commenting on uh, me, me picking Philly over Carolina. I, I just Philly just put up 30 points on Kansas City. Not that Kansas City's defense is great, but neither is Carolina's. I also uh, think that Carolina's offense is much, much, much different now without McCafferty. Um, and it's putting a lot more weight on Darnold's shoulders. And look what happened. They got their first loss. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, what else? What else do we have different, differentiating? I'm going Cleveland over uh, Chargers, mainly because Chargers have a shortest week. Um, Cleveland it's hard to, to go against. I mean, they have a, such a good roster. I think that losing Landry is, is big for them. Um, you know, um, Baker and OBJ just don't seem to really have a, they, they, they don't really mesh as well as Landry. Um, he's more of a deep threat, but I'm going to go Cleveland. I like how everything you said just justified me picking the chargers instead. <laughs> So I don't feel like I really even need to say much there because you're basically giving me what I need without having to say much. Um, so uh, Cleveland's backfield is nasty. Uh, I mean, yes, but they also played like hot garbage this past couple of weeks. And I just want to make a point of this. I have Nick Chubb in both of my fantasy leagues. So I pay particular attention to how the Browns are playing because he was my first pick in both of my leagues. So 
I'm a, I'm a big Nick Chubb stand. You know, he did well for me last year, so much so that I made the point to come back and take him again this year. But man, last week looked brutal. And Minnesota, it, Minnesota's not as good of a team as the Chargers are. Because, I mean, low-key, the Chargers' defense is really good. So, you know, their, their offense is getting a lot of publicity because, you know, Justin Herbert's, you know, the, the shiny new toy on the block who's kind of showing out. And it's made extra interesting by the fact that he's in the same division as Patrick Mahomes. But on the backside of it, you know, Brandon Staley was the defensive coordinator for the Rams. And that defense is killing it right now. So give me the charge. As long as they stay healthy. I mean, Bosa's a beast. I will also say this. If the Chargers break out the powder blues with the yellow pants again, they're they're just going to wax Cleveland because they can't lose in this. Those are the best jerseys in the game right now. So you're telling me we might get one of those, what is it, the color rush, orange on orange versus the powder blue and mustard yellow pants could you imagine <laughs> i i would love that but unfortunately I, I i do think cleveland's gonna end up in their white jerseys probably but probably. yeah i mean if we did get a color rush out of that that'd be pretty sick you remember the, the glory days of like the jets wearing all green on the green field and like you could barely see them <laughs> oh god that was awful as my house phone is going off right now wow just just a fun little fact for everyone listening. I still have a house phone, aka my parents still have a house phone <laughs> because I still am working on getting out of here. Let uh, me out. Uh, no, seriously. I, at some point, I will get the heck out of this house, and I cannot wait to be back <laughs> on my own. Back to the point at hand, though. I don't know if you remember this, but the color rush between New York and Buffalo, where it was all green against all red, Anyone who was red, green, colorblind was absolutely screwed. It also had like a nice Christmas vibe to it. <laughs> well, yes, but, you know, I like to focus on the people who have needs here, Chris. The ball's brown, so. <laughs> Fair enough. I guess we got to figure out which shade of gray they are and go off of that. But uh, oh, so outside of football, um, baseball is finally at the time of year where it's it's actually kind of relevant. You know, we've got the wild card games uh, tonight and tomorrow. Uh, for those listening, we are recording on a Tuesday night. So, you know, tonight we've got the Yankees heading up to Boston. Baseball's oldest and arguably best rivalry, uh, you know, re-upping. Re- uh, <laughs> re- for a one game, you know, winner take all sort of thing that you don't normally associate with these two franchises. Uh, and then tomorrow night, we've got St. Louis, who recently just has not been able to lose a game heading west to take on the Dodgers, who, you know, despite winning over 100 games, end up getting messed up by the fact that, you know, the, Gi- the Giants in their division just end up winning slightly a bit more than them. So they took the, the overall seed and now they're in a one game loose or winner go home sort of situation. So you, you got anything on either of these games coming up? Um, well, I think tonight's game, the Yankees at Red Sox is going to be really interesting. Um, the Yankees were just in Boston last weekend and swept them, not just swept them, but like destroyed them. Um, hit, I believe, two grand slams in that series. Um, I don't know. I being an AL East guy, I both these teams are so hot and cold. Um, I, I it it hurts me, but I, I'm assuming that the Yankees are going to win tonight. Um, 
I just, I think that their roster is just, it's, they've got stars on stars, regardless of their record. Um, they show up in big games. Um, you mentioned the, the, the rarity of like a basically winner takes all, um, in, in baseball. Well, we had a situation this past week. Um, I should say this past weekend on Sunday, um, where there was a situation where the Red Sox, Yankees, Blue Jays, and Mariners could have all been tied. It could have been a four-way tie. And uh, that unfortunately did not happen, but that would have been the first time ever in Major League history um, that we would have seen a four-way tie for a wild card, which would have been real interesting. And, you know, at, at this point, baseball is so old and they play so many games that when you have something that is new or, a, you know, a possible first time, it's a big deal. Um, as for the game tomorrow, you know, I'm, my heart says to take St. Louis in that I think LA is just stacked. I mean, they, they have the experience. Kershaw is out for possibly the playoffs, but you know, their pitching staff is stacked. Um, it's actually pretty mind blowing. If you look at the salaries, um, you know, we think of the Yankees as being big spenders, the Red Sox as big spenders go take a look at the Dodgers payroll and it makes them the Yankees, the Red Sox, even Jays and just look like infants. <laughs> I mean, they just, they just throw crazy. around money for fun. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's gotten them far. I don't want to, you know, obviously they've won a few rings, but a few years of disappointment in there in between kind of uh, struggling with the caps, Caps luck there, great regular seasons, and then they hit, you know, hit a wall in the playoffs. So who knows? I think because of that, I'm taking um, St. Louis just because, I, you know, for better or for worse, I think the underdog mentality will benefit them. Other than that, you know, baseball is such a gamble. One or two mistakes and boom, you know. Well, I'm taking Boston tonight because I have a ton of family up in the New England area, and I'm not going Same. against family. Uh, you know, I mean, not that people having family in New England is really a shocking thing based on, you know, American immigration <laughs> or migration patterns. But either way, I'm taking the Red Sox. Uh, also, just because I cannot reconcile picking the Yankees. I know. It hurts me. It hurts me. Yeah, I mean, it is it is enjoyable seeing Yankees fans get mad because, you know, whenever somebody tries to, like, challenge them, they'll always pull out the 27 rings card. And if they lose tonight, then, you know, tack on the 13th year to, you know, the last, since it's been the last time they won the, uh, the World Series. So, you know, I was, what, 15 the last time they won? I could I, – I can barely remember that. So, you know, yeah. I, I, I just – I don't see – I don't see any reason for them to get another World Series. They have enough. I think that New York fans have, in terms of baseball, over their lives, enjoyed enough, you know, happiness that they just enjoy them kind of being down for a little bit. Uh, might be mean of me to people in the New York area, but so what? So tomorrow. So what? Yeah. <laughs> that That's all the explanation I need. So tomorrow, uh, I'm definitely, I'm going to take the Dodgers because, you know, I think they're going to throw out Scherzer. And he is just an absolute psycho. I mean, I mean, have you seen him pitch? He is absolutely like out of this world. Have you seen him just as a human being? He's a psycho, but yes, he's a beast yeah. on the mound. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm kind of in the when in doubt, don't bet against Max sort of sort of mindset. 
I know the Cardinals have been, you know, crazy good recently. I haven't really seen the schedule of who they've been playing. So for all I know, they kind of ended their season with a bunch of doormats who had packed it in for the year. Uh, but give me 17 straight is 17 straight. No, for, for sure. Um, they, I believe they are throwing out uh, Adam Wainwright tomorrow night, which maybe like eight years ago would have been like super imposing. But now, like, he, he's just not what he once was. And Scherzer, while probably on the back end of his prime, is still in his prime. And he's still a freaking psycho. And he's still a psycho. Still a so, psycho. Two different colored eyes. I mean, he's a freak. I, I mean, the, the emotion that he brings to the mound is undeniable. Um, interesting that we're both going opposite picks because, you know, I know we're both huge baseball fans. Oh, absolutely. I have paid oh so much attention to this season. Hold on, though. We do need to, to kind of flip flip the mirror, so to say. The Orioles finished dead last. They get the first overall pick, finished with 110 losses. However, I think uh, that there's definitely some optimism moving into next year. We've got some studs coming up from the minors. Another first overall pick. For us, you know, granted, we probably won't see them for three, four years. Um, The other cool thing that no one's really talking about is that the Orioles don't have anyone, anyone signed past next year. Is that cool or disconcerting? That's a cool thing because MLB just implemented starting next year a cap floor, meaning the Orioles are going to have to, have to spend. And I believe it's set to $100 million for an entire roster. The <laughs> Orioles are going to have to do so. Like, they're going to have to do something. Oh, if, um, if anyone's wondering why I'm laughing maniacally, because I'm sitting here, like, looking at the idea of the Angelos family having to spend money and just going, good. Now, okay, so a lot of people are not for this. Um, I'm not a huge NBA follower, armchair GM. I am for NHL. And NHL has a hard cap floor, meaning you need to spend X amount of dollars per season. And they also have a hard cap ceiling, no luxury tax or whatever. Um, and I, I love it. I think it, it gives every team a, the, an even playing field. Um, obviously, we want to see those super, you know, the, what do they call them? Super teams. Yeah. In the NBA, you know, with all the max contracts and, you know, all the teams, the Miami Heats of, you know, the late 2000s and whatnot um i i'm not a huge fan of that i mean obviously stars will be stars wherever they go but it gets them into the smaller markets um so i'm very curious to see what the orioles do the one thing that they need to spend on is pitching and now they have to spend so we'll see what happens um i mean you know we we, we're both uh homegrown in the Baltimore area region. Um, it's safe to say that when the Orioles are good, this is a baseball town, right? I mean, I, so Baltimore will just support whatever teams are here. So, totally. I mean, I think even for like arena soccer, the Baltimore blast get a pretty good turnout and who they play at Towson now. Yeah. As I say, who pays attention to arena <laughs> soccer? So Baltimore. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, we're in, in a way, Baltimore is almost kind of like Seattle and Portland East because Seattle and Portland have phenomenal fan bases, no matter what the sport is. Uh, you throw out, you know, NFL, NBA, MLB, MLS, it doesn't matter. Like the fans out there go nuts for whoever their local teams are. So Baltimore kind of has a little bit of that to them as well. But Yeah. I mean, I think 
it, it gets blurred uh, because the Orioles haven't been great the past few years. But if you rewind back and you watch some of the, the highlights from some of those playoff games, specifically the Delman Young double that put them on top, it, every once in a while it gets – I shouldn't say every once in a while. Like once a month it pops up on my Twitter feed. Yeah. And it is – I get goosebumps just talking about it. Like seeing – camp. if you go to, say, game 110 out of a typical Orioles season, there is no one there. It's a pretty, you know, pathetic number of people that are there. Then you watch that clip and just seeing Camden Yards erupt is just crazy. It literally just gave me chills. Well, as much as I want to keep going on that, I think that's enough homerism for us. And we really need to talk about the, the you know, subject that is on everybody's mind, as you know, Chris. The, the one that is just permeating throughout every single form of media. And that is the fact that Urban Meyer can't stop being horny. Like, what is going on here? The man stays behind in Ohio, drives to Columbus, ends up at a club. At like at first, everyone's saying like defending him, saying like, "Oh, he doesn't do much." Then there's a picture that comes out that looks like his hands are in places that they shouldn't be. But it just seems like wherever he goes, some sort of nonsense that it is frankly easily avoidable by just not being a total weirdo or a total wacko. And everyone who like has had Urban Meyer as their head coach seems to defend him to the grave. But you know, Loki he's kind of a scumbag. So I guess a couple of questions. One, what was your reaction to it? And two, do we think that he just walks into USC now? Cause there's no way he lasts through the season in Jacksonville. Right. You know, I really wish there was a straight answer to this. I have a lot of mixed thoughts on this um, and all are negative. So I don't really know why I said mixed, but um, kind of all over the place. First off, it bothers me so much that he stayed behind and did not fly back with this team to the point where if I were in NFL, if I were in that Jacksonville locker room, I would be livid. <laughs> you know, you, 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 organizations pay these coaches a lot of money to one, put a product on the field, win games, right? That's number one. But second of all, you are serving as a mentor for these men. Um, and it's safe to say that, you know, these men got into the NFL because they are very skilled um, and they've dedicated their life to this craft that is football. The fact that he could not fly back with the team. Meanwhile, the players, I'm pretty sure, were required to fly back. They could not stay in Ohio. They had to fly back to Jacksonville. You could, Meyer would not fly back to Florida. And then if he wanted to go back to Columbus, say to check out where, whatever, see an Ohio State game, go visit family, which I think he was. There, there were some rumors. He said, he said his reasoning was he wanted to go see his grandbabies. Right. Uh, well, there were no grandbabies babies at that club. You know, maybe some coming up, but I don't know. Um. Uh, I don't think those would be called grandbabies, sir. I think that would just be called an awkward situation. Yeah. Um, so I, I have a lot of issues with that. You know, it, it's hard enough. The NFL has enough off field issues. Jacksonville hiring him was a dumpster fire to begin with. Um, I'm going to be honest. I did not see it happening this fast, nor this way. Um, it, typically, you know, his stops at Florida, his stops at Ohio state after a few, uh, 
few years, you start to hear whispers of things coming out and then it finally erupts. And then he says he has heart problems and disappears for a little while. Um, I, you know, as an academic institution, I don't know if USC can touch him now. I, I want to believe that, but at the same time, there's so little when it comes to morality in college football that there, that USC would be so happy to get a few years out of Urban Meyer to come back to relevancy. And then hopefully Meyer can set them up with like what he did at Ohio State with like another Ryan Day. And they'll be like, hey, you know what? We'll take the controversy, you know, just to be relevant again, because controversy plus relevancy equals dollars. Whereas not touching him, think about all the revenue that they're going to imagine that they're losing as a result of it. So I would love to say that they're not going to touch him, but I still think that he's number one on their call list. Uh, But, you know, there's with Jacksonville, there's so many reports about like, he's already lost the locker room. Uh, I saw reports that like, while he was giving an apology uh, to his team today for his actions, they were just like openly laughing in the locker room during it. Yeah. I mean, I I don't blame them. They're grown men, men that have dedicated their life to this opposed to being in a college locker room where you can kind of puff your chest out and say, well, I've got 30, 40, 50 years on you. Uh, I think that's the reason why this has come out so quickly is because in the NFL, like players don't have time to put up with your BS because that's costing them millions of dollars as a result of it. So instead of, you know, a Florida or Ohio state where Meyer can be the control freak that he is and literally have his hands in everything and make sure that make sure that something comes up. (sighs) Okay. Yeah. I didn't think about that, (laughs) but you know, like he can have the control that he wants. I mean, cause if you think about it, he had the Pouncey brothers, Aaron Hernandez and Tim Tebow all on the same squad at one time. I think there's a couple other players on there that I'm forgetting as well. Like I think maybe Percy Harvin, Percy Harvin, Cam Newton at one point. Yeah. And like, you didn't hear about anything going on and as we found out about with Aaron Hernandez after the fact there was plenty going on so you know the difference is just in the NFL ain't nobody got time for that so no one has time and there's so much more money involved obviously things are a little different now with NIL and whatnot but I'm I'm very curious to see what they do um they haven't canned him yet. Tomorrow's their first on-field practice since their game on um, last Thursday. I, I don't know how they take him seriously. I mean, and this is also ignoring the fact that who he hired as his coaching staff, you know, not so great track records either. Um, it's just a mess wherever te- he goes. The Tebow situation, like I understand, you know, trying to appease a former player, giving him a shot, but someone of that stature – he had no right of even playing in one of those preseason games. He looked terrible in the one game he played in. Um, my question is, is how do the Jags handle this? Do they just wait for him to go 0-10 and then can him? Or do they – I heard rumor today that they were looking at possibly um, him breaking clauses in his contract that would mean that they could fire him and not owe him a single penny which is pretty nuts. Granted, he's made tons of money in his life. He doesn't need more money, but there's that situation. I'm curious to see how they handle it. And also, you, you mentioned morality. This club, bar, whatever he was at, there were literally pictures of his wife and him on the wall. 
Uh, I mean, it's <laughs> it, it, it's so appropriate. So but, uh, regardless, if he gets canned, does he go back to the Fox broadcast? <laughs> you know, I think there is a certain level of, of Fox that just doesn't care. So oh. it, whether he's going to ASU <laughs> or not ASU, uh, USC or Fox, he's going to land somewhere because it's Urban Meyer. And pe- like people are so willing to overlook the biggest of things as long as you win. And the other reason why this is being blown up is the fact that Jacksonville isn't winning. So, you know, if, if they were 4-0 as opposed to 0-4, I feel like maybe some stories about, you know, guys in the locker room not really liking him so much, that would stay under the rug. But, you know, the fact that they're losing, I don't – there's no reason for them to hold back. The one thing that I, I do – find myself curious about you know does the owner of the jaguars think to himself okay we're in jacksonville not the biggest media market uh two i i went out of my way to hire this guy and it's gonna look like such an embarrassment on me if i fire him right now that he holds out for a while hoping it can turn around because if there's one thing that every single billionaire has it's an ego you know, they, they don't want to be wrong. They want to be right all the time. I mean, Jerry Jones is your prime example, you know, of billionaires who just don't know how to think that they are capable of being wrong or capable of thinking somebody else could be right. So I think that he lasts a little bit longer than he should solely based on Shad Khan's ego. So if, you know, up this coming week, they're playing Tennessee. They have a home game. If they get absolutely smacked, which could very well happen. I think they will. Does he get canned? No. I, mm. I'm, I'm willing to bet that he doesn't. Maybe I'm just too much of a pessimist about that sort of thing. But I, I don't know. This is such a, an interesting situation. We honestly haven't had to deal with this at the NFL level with coaches, with head coaches specifically. Who's the last head coach that had some huge scandal around him? Uh, you know, honestly, I actually don't know. Maybe but... Belichick with the flake gate, but that's totally different. Different oh, set of completely balls. Completely different. I mean, but we do know a, a school that is, you know, used to handling head coaches with scandals, USC. And who was the last head coach that, you know, had a huge scandal there? Pete Carroll. And USC was more than happy to keep him around because they won him championships. And now he's up in Seattle, which, speaking of, Seattle and the Rams coming up on Thursday night. That looks like it could be after Seattle kind of got back on track against San Francisco this week. And, you know, Los Angeles lost to Arizona. This looks like it could be a lot more of a fun matchup than I originally thought it was would be. Oh, yeah. I mean, that NFC West is brutal. <laughs> well, brutal for the pl- – ah, <laughs> great podcasting. Brutal for the players. <laughs> Fun as hell for me to watch. Super fun. I mean, I think uh, I could be wrong. In your in your season predictions, you had every team going 500 within that division, right? I believe so. Mainly just I mean, because I was looking at them before the season and going, I don't know what to expect. Like, If we're being honest, I, I may have thought Arizona could have gone 4-0 to start the year, but did we really think Arizona was going to go 4-0 to start the year? Yeah, I mean, I, I did not. I can tell you that much. Um, I kind of had them being the the lesser of the, the four evils. Um, I mean, as they have been. 
Yeah, for whatever reason, you know, them in San Fran, San Francisco has the injury bug every year. Um, And for whatever reason, uh, Cliff Kingsbury just hasn't really, at least in in my book, he has not really clicked as an NFL coach yet. Um, I think he's he's shown some real signs this year, though. I will say that he is definitely showing some signs. I mean, granted, he has a few studs to help him out. um, Kyler Murray being one. so I, I think that the big move that has helped them a lot, um, and granted he's one guy, but adding Watt has just, you know, he's so mature, he's experienced, um, he's been on winning teams, he's been on losing teams that have been rebounded, and I mean, he's just an all-around good guy, right? We haven't really heard anything bad about him, so I think that that has really helped balance out that locker room. Um, well, think about this. They added AJ Green too, and I think he brings the same stuff. He's just not as well known for it because he's not really a boisterous guy. So bringing in both of them, I think, has been huge. Yeah, yeah. I have AJ Green on my fantasy team, so <laughs> I'm willing to bet somebody in my league picked him up in free agency, so I don't have the chance to get him right now. Which, but- speaking of, kind of, kind of a little bit of a, a detour, I will mention this. I've got, I had my first fantasy hockey draft last night got my second one tonight i play in two leagues that have been around for seven eight nine years we're going on lengthy leagues here and uh both very serious both completely different style different uh tactics required in each league just because of the format but looking forward to that tonight well i I digress Well, let's digress into what we all know we're actually here for, because we are now in week six of college football and things are starting to finally get figured out. You know, we've got, in my opinion, a clear cut top two in the country in Alabama and Georgia. And I think there is a steep drop off after those two. You could flip them back and forth one, two. I'm not really sure which is which yet. We probably won't know until the SEC championship game, assuming both teams make it there. But I think it's a pretty safe bet to assume that they're going to be there. Uh, afterwards, there is, as you kind of like to call it, the, the murky middle or what, whatever your normal term is for mushy it. Mushy middle. Yeah, the mushy middle. Um, I just like to call it a giant cluster, insert word here. Um, but Trying to stick with the alliteration here. We got mushy middle, cluster. Mangled middle? Chaos, clustered chaos. Yeah, I, I think I think maybe I'll stick with mangled middle because there is mangled some, middle. There is some mangling going on with some of these teams. Um, as expected, based on last week's podcast, unfortunately, Maryland was Maryland. They dropped. Have you total. recovered? Uh, from the alcohol, yes. From the mental side of it, no. But at the same time, yes, because I couldn't say that I was surprised. I just, I made the mistake of getting emotionally invested. I knew what was coming. I knew it was going to happen the entire time. And yet there was still a part of me that's like, I want to feel hope. And I'm going to quickly kind of plug my blog here. I did write a uh, post that specifically said, hope is a dangerous drug. And it is because if I was a smart person, and I like to think that sometimes I can be, I would have just walked into that game going, you know what, let's just see how much we lose by. Because that is the Maryland way. But I got hope. So instead, I walked in there and by like the middle of the second quarter, Rachel was sitting next to me dealing with me absolutely fuming because of how bad they were playing. And I just made the mistake of thinking that something positive could happen. So uh, I was just... (sighs) 
let's let's just move on. Let's just move it on. Bad, it was a bad game. Those not, texts I'm, that you were sending me, uh, I felt bad for you. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm not talking Maryland for the rest of this podcast and probably for the next few weeks unless they get a the game where I really think they could win. I'm just not doing it because at this point, I just I need to learn my lesson and move on. I will still go to their home games, but they're playing Ohio State this weekend. I probably won't watch a second of it because I know what's going to happen and I'm not going to bother. I was about to say, so no upset alert here? Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, no. It it's also just, doesn't help losing their top receiver. No, no. I, oh, God, that was a brutal injury. Nasty. Uh, but nasty. hey, 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 I said I'm moving on from it, so we're moving on. <laughs> so let's, let's get to some games that actually might, you know, both teams might have a chance. Uh, we'll start for Friday. Stanford, Arizona State. Stanford going down to Arizona State. Uh, Chris, I picked this game to put on the schedule because, in all honesty, I don't know what to make of both teams. And I had to pick some game from the Pac-12 because, as last week showed, the conference is once again cannibalizing itself and completely messing up their chances of getting a team in the playoff thanks to the fact that Stanford had to go ahead and upset Oregon and Arizona State had to go ahead and beat UCLA, which would have had an outside shot if they had only had one loss because they had that win over LSU and people do overblow wins over SEC teams. But I'm, I just, I saw this game and I'm like, Oh dear Lord. These two teams last week, both made me so mad. (laughs) And now I have to talk about them, (laughs) but it makes for good content. (laughs) So uh, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Seeing that Stanford open up as an 11 and a half point dog really confused me because if there's anything that is true about the PAC 12, not just this year, but every year, is that inconsistency, thy name is the Pacific Coast. So I don't know about you. I've got Stanford taking this just because Stanford seems to get up for the games of the teams that are you know, ranked, and ASU right now is ranked. So this just, se- this just says upset special to me. Uh, even if Arizona State comes back to win, I am definitely taking Stanford to cover. 11.5 is way too many points. It's, it's a ridiculous amount. Uh, but also the other reason why it's ridiculous is the over-under is set at 59 and a half, which to me also just says way too many points. So give me Stanford and give me the under. What about you? Mm. So I'm going ASU and I'm going to say that they're going to cover. Oh, so, so you think I'm... ASU is going to beat the brakes off of them? Yes. Um, so okay. J- Jaden Daniels is a beast, uh, obviously running within the Pac-12, uh, spread offenses. Uh, it, they put up a lot of points. Um, he's completing 72% of his passes. Um, he's rushing for more than five and a half yards a carry. Stanford's overall defense is outside of the top 100. So well, they, beat Oregon. they beat Oregon, but they also got banged up pretty bad. Um, so I just think that Arizona State's just going to steamroll them. I – I could completely justify that too, but I'm just going to say, you know, Stanford because they beat Oregon and maybe I'm overblowing the fact that Oregon beat Ohio state. I don't know. No, I think Oregon's a good team. I, I, I I don't think that they were worthy of an undefeated season, uh, especially in the craziness that is the PAC 12. But I mean, Stanford's one of those, what, what are you, you're not saying mushy middle you're using uh, what was it? Murky middle. Was that the mangled middle mangled middle? We're going with all the alliteration tonight. Um, yes, we are. I just, 
One of my I think favorite Stan- literary tools. Alliteration. And I, I like onomatopoeia. But I don't like Stanford to win this game just because I don't think they can put up enough points to keep up with ASU. ASU wants a shootout, and Stanford historically does not. So that's why I'm picking ASU. Now, do you think it's going to go over 59 and a half or under? Oh, that's hard. I think that's a really good over-under set. Really? I, I swear it's way too high. You think it's too high? Well, that's why I'm taking the under. Uh, screw it. I need to make up some, some, some ground. I'm going over here. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. This is why I don't really gamble people. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> hey, you know, gamblers do make calls like that all the time. Just as long as you do it responsibly, then you're good. So it's, it's okay to gamble because really all gambling is, it, that is, it's just the price of entertainment. So oh. as, as long as you can, you know, do it responsibly and, you know, you're not taking out a second mortgage on your house or something like that because you can't control yourself. At that point, you need help. But as long as you're like, Hey, this is my you know budget for this, and I can reasonably afford it. And I know that I'm paying for the price of entertainment as opposed to you know the price of you know trying to make money because I just feel like that kind of leads you down a darker path, uh, or at least it's more likely to. But as long as you say, hey, I'm just paying for my own entertainment, then I feel like you're good. So I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Uh, but what was a bad thing? was anybody who thought that Arkansas and Ole Miss had a shot at all last week against Alabama and Georgia, respectively. Can we just preface this by saying that both Bama and Georgia are just light years ahead of basically every other team right now? Oh, Actually, absolutely. I shouldn't absolutely. even say basically. They are. Yeah. No, it's it's not even close. Um, I think Arkansas is a good team. I mean, Ole Miss, Ole Miss's offense is ridiculous. Arkansas is a good team, too, and they both looked terrible last week um i think also, arkansas got like shut out or something arkansas yeah um i'm also just gonna throw this in there because it was a hot sec topic for us last week um mike leach mississippi state pulled off the upset uh against um blanking was it auburn oh my gosh so. was it auburn yeah i believe so um he's always good for one upset on the year like kind of out of the blue upset. So good, good for Mike Leach. Anyway, back into Arkansas, the Razorbacks and the Rebels. I, you know, I was disappointed in both teams. I thought that, you know, they at least had a, a puncher's chance last week just because maybe I overthought it. I just wanted them to have a puncher's chance. Uh, kind of like how I, I see Maryland through rose tinted glasses I should have seen this game through, you know, a normal lens uh, or not this game, both games through a normal lens. And I do think that it's uh, an interesting scheduling twist of fate that both teams get matched up with each other after they both just went against the entire, the, uh, the best two teams in the country and they both got absolutely waxed by them. So kind of fun. I, I don't think that the schedule makers planned it this way uh and also to to fix my uh to correct what we were saying earlier mississippi state beat texas a&m that's what it was ranked 15th in the country i knew it was someone at cc west yeah um but 
it's it's an interesting kind of twist of fates that both these teams take terrible losses and now they're matched up against each other. So both teams should, in theory, be incredibly motivated. Uh, Arkansas, now with the fact that they got shut out, they have questions raised about, you know, how legitimate were you? Because you got all the way up to the eight seed and Arkansas traditionally isn't a great program. So, you know, were you a bit overblown? We don't know. Uh, same for Ole Miss. You know, Matt Corral was getting a ton of talk about potentially getting his name in for the Heisman this year. I don't know if his performance against Alabama takes him out of that conversation because at this point in the year, I don't think we really have a, a Heisman front runner unless maybe Bryce Young from Alabama, just because it seems to go to, you know, whoever the top quarterback is. But always. It just, <laughs> it, well, except for last year. Um, but they're always in the talk, though. Bama well, quarterbacks are always in it. Of course. Um, you know, there's some talks about like Jake Hayner from Fresno. Uh, he's not going to get in just because he's from Fresno. And as much as it would be a cool story, it's not going to be a story that people care about. It's going to be almost kind of similar to Keenan Reynolds from Navy a few years back. So I, I, I digress. He plays with heart, though. I, I digress back to the game. I think that this could be ultimately kind of a shootout. Uh, you know, I don't think that Lane Kiffin really cares too much about defense shown by the fact that, you know, Alabama put up an easy 42 against them. Uh, I don't think that Arkansas really put up much of a fight against Georgia defensively either. So I do have Ole Miss winning. It is kind of based primarily just on the fact that Ole Miss is at home. Uh, you know, I wasn't really sure what to make of either team because, I mean, they both, it, it was really bad. So I'm just kind of like, all right, well, when in doubt, I guess take the home team. But I think it'll be a close shootout, which is why I was so uncertain about it. So Arkansas is a six-point dog. I've got Arkansas covering. I've got the over 66. Uh, but I'm taking Ole Miss money line to win. Uh, I see that you are going a different direction than I am. I am. I'm going with, uh, with Arkansas here. Um, a few reasons. I, I, I think this is going to be a shootout. Um, I think that both these teams play a very different style. Mississippi is more equipped for a shootout. Obviously, Corral's a beast. I mean, he's he's still going to be a Heisman candidate regardless of last week. I mean, it's Bama. Um, and to be fair, Arkansas had to face, in my opinion, the best defense in the country against Georgia. Georgia's defense is just ridiculous. Um, I don't even think that's an opinion thing. I think that's just fact. Yeah, so... Arkansas relies way more on a rushing on a rushing attack. Um, also important to note, um, this game is in Mississippi, right? No. Yes, Mississippi is Mississippi. The home Matt Corral threw six picks against Arkansas last year. Maybe that continues over. I'm kind of just going with. Uh, I, I like Pittman as a coach. I like the way that their offense has looked especially, you know, running more of that, that option attack um, opposed to the corral show, basically. Um, so I'm going Arkansas here. Just I think that of the two, the two teams, Lane Kiffin is kind of eh in my book. He's going to put up a lot of points always. That's how he rolls wherever he goes. Um, but I, I think Pittman's more of the fatherly figure and is going to say, guys, this is our chance to rebound. Um, now, granted, Lane Kiffin is going to be saying the same exact thing on the other side, but I don't know. Both these teams have a huge opportunity. I think it's safe to say that whoever wins this 
New Year's Six? Oh, uh, maybe. Because I, I think, again, at the top, there's so many question marks that let's say if, if either Georgia or Alabama shows up to the SEC title game and gets absolutely waxed, and you've got maybe like a one-loss Oregon, one-loss Ohio State, undefeated Cincinnati, maybe one of them gets pushed out. I don't see them doing it, but at the same don't time – Penn State either. True, Penn State. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about them in a little bit. Um, uh, same with Iowa, too. Uh, we'll talk about them in a little bit, too. But, you know, it's just one of those when I think about it, you know, not to say that the NCAA is corrupt, but the NCAA is. is corrupt. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they've got to be realizing that they need a ratings boost. So, you know, why would you let an Alabama or a Georgia who just got absolutely trumped well, Trump, that's a weird word, stomped, <laughs> you know, by by their opponent, why would you let them in as opposed to, you know, a team that you know is going to bring in a wider audience? Because again, at the end of the day, it, it's not about whoever's the best team. It's about the money. So it just makes sense that if somebody else has a decent case, you know, give them a shot. Even if they get, you know, the, the brakes beaten off of them, it, it, will, it will still bring a bigger crowd than having the same old, same old come through. And I'm not even including Clemson in that mix just because I don't think that Clemson deserves it. So they're out of the top 25. Yeah. You know, it's hey, great. Hey, you know what? Maybe if they pull off like a miracle season and Wake Forest goes undefeated through conference play, maybe let Wake Forest in. You're still technically in the South with North Carolina, but in terms of the casual fan, that could bring some more people in just to be like, whoa, this is unusual. So, you know, it's, I, I'm kind of speechless just thinking about possibly Wake Forest being in that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's it's a weird thought. Hey, sign to, me up. Sign me up right now. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> it's not it's not likely, but sign, but sign me up. So uh, one thing that should be likely, though, is the fact that for the first time in I'd say a long time, the Red River rivalry, because we're no longer allowed to call it a shootout, uh, should be really interesting. So interesting the fact that even though uh, spread wise Oklahoma has opened as a three and a half point favorite, there aren't any like money line lines on this game yet. So you know if you just take Oklahoma or Texas to win, right now you can't make any bets on that because they just haven't come out with what they think the appropriate odds are. I am a little bit worried that people are overblowing how good Texas has been since they've you know made their quarterback change. I have not had a chance to watch a ton of them admittedly. Uh, but you know, there is just kind of the thought that always goes through my mind of, you know, same, like every time I should tell myself, don't get your hopes up for Maryland recently, every time, you know, people get their hopes up for Texas, they always disappoint. Oklahoma has not looked good at all this year. But at the same time, they have still been winning, and that does say something about them. So I took Oklahoma solely because, you know, they have, they've just been showing that they are winning. I don't think that they are a top team, uh, even though they are undefeated. I didn't even think about including them in my talk for the, in, for the playoffs. So you know, clearly, I don't think much of them right now. But playoffs. <laughs> I think I'm picking them just because I really don't think much of Texas. You know, I, it's still kind of a prove it thing for me with them. Uh, I will take Texas to cover the spread just because I'm kind of like hedging myself a little bit here. And I think the game's going to be 
you know, a little bit low scoring and probably pretty close. Uh, also, the over-under is set at 63 and a half, which is another one of those lines that to me that just screams, this is way too much. So I would agree with that. Yeah, like I really – Oklahoma has not shown explosive capabilities this year. And Texas, again, kind of inconsistent. So I, I, I got to take the under. Um, but I see that you're taking Texas. I can't necessarily say I blame you, but tell me why. I'm going Texas with the under. Um, I, I just think that uh, Stark, Stark, Sarkeesian, great podcasting. Another, another little <laughs> blip there. Um, I think that, you know, they've kind of turned the, the table the past few weeks. Do I think that they're in that playoff contention bubble? No. Do I think that Oklahoma is either? Eh, I think Oklahoma is kind of a shell of what they've been the past few years. Um, Their offensive line is just so bad. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, that's like a theme with a lot of teams. It seems like offensive lines as a whole, outside of a handful of SEC teams, um, which, speaking of, this conversation uh, a few years from now will be an SEC game. But um, (laughs) Uh, Why do you have to remind me of that? but I, I just – I think that they've turned the corner. Um, I think Bijan Robinson is a beast. And um, I could be wrong, but isn't this a neutral site game? It's always a neutral site game. They played at the Cotton Bowl because they played at the Texas State Fair. Uh, right. So – but, you know, it, it kind of goes either way. Yeah. Um, other than that, I don't really have anything. I think that uh, – I will say I think if – Oklahoma's offensive line shows up and plays out of their mind. I think they win this game, but I'm going with Texas with the under Um, Oklahoma is going to want a shootout. I think, which is interesting because they really haven't put up a ton of points this year compared to what we've seen in the past. Um, But I think Texas is going to do everything that they can to keep offense uh, there to keep Oklahoma's offense off the field. And uh, Bijan Robinson's a beast, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I think you may have mentioned that. Uh, now, one quick point of clarification, because I don't know if it was said. Were you taking the over or under in Arkansas Ole Miss? It's currently set at 66. Going under. Under. Okay, cool. Because I wrote you down as, as over, and then I realized that we didn't talk about that part. So uh, just want to make sure. Good call. Just want to make sure that for for us and our viewers, which hopefully there will be more of them as things continue to go on, uh, they they know what we're what we're picking. Uh, now, next up, this game to me, it's not the most marquee game, but to me, it's the most it's the one that raised the most question marks in my head, and it's Virginia against Louisville. Uh, now, the reason why this to me raises questions is that I think Virginia is kind of a low key good team and. I don't think that Louisville's really that good. So what surprised me is the fact that Virginia is an underdog. Uh, Now, granted, the game is in Kentucky. It's at Louisville, uh, which tends to play a factor in how odds makers make their bets. Uh, Typically, if you're a home favorite, it kind of accounts for like three points in terms of spread. And the fact that Virginia is two and a half, to me, kind of says that the odds makers, they, they were really uncertain about that one. So, but what that also tells me is that like, they almost want Virginia to be the favorite. It just, it, it's something that they weren't certain about. So maybe they're trying to like draw some people in who think Louisville could pull off the upset 
which to me, even though Louisville's a favorite, it would be an upset. So maybe they're trying to draw some betters in that way. I don't know, but that the spread of two and a half really kind of creeps me out. Uh, but also the over-under being set at 69 and a half. So they're expecting these two teams to score dang near 70. Um, you know, maybe Virginia's struggles against Wake Forest is what, what influenced this, but also thinking about those struggles made me think of two things. One, Wake Forest is a really good team. Two, if Virginia does struggle in, in a game like that, I don't think that either side is going to score enough points to get over 69 and a half. So on paper, this is an upset, but give me Virginia uh, money line. Give me Virginia to, to obviously cover the spread then as a result, but under 69 and a half, because, oh, that's just, that's so many points. See, I'm taking the over with this. I think that you're these crazy. Two, I'm going Louisville um, and uh, taking the over mainly because these are two crazy quarterbacks, very different styles. Brendan Armstrong was obviously very early season uh, Heisman whispers was balling out for a while. Um, and then Louisville's got Malik Cunningham, you know, typical Louisville quarterback in the, the mold of Lamar Jackson, Teddy Bridgewater, really mobile guy. Um, I just, I, you know, I, I'm feeling like he's going to be hard. He, you know, he's to, to hard to, to control. Uh, he's a difference maker. He has, uh, he ranks second nationally with 10 rushing touchdowns and number two um, in, in scoring with an average of 12 points per game. That's crazy right there. So, um, you know, he's basically like what Lamar is for the Ravens. I mean, he's, he's the difference maker, um, as an athlete. So seems appropriate um, that they're both, you know, either at Louisville or Louisville grads. Yeah. Uh, only one of them has a statue out front though, which is <laughs> a little interesting, but, um, that that's the only reason I'm going with, with Louisville here. I think that while Virginia is probably the better team and the safer bet, I think it's safe to say I'm not going with safer bets considering how badly I'm getting whooped by you and how much money I've lost. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, pretend I'm going money. With, just remember pretend money, pretend money, how much um, I, so I, I'm going with Cunningham and Louisville um, taking the over. Cause I do think a lot of points are being scored in this game. Yeah. Um, Cause it, it, first of all, on the money concept, if you were losing money, I think you and I would try to talk outside of this so that way we could both figure out how to actually maximize our money. As opposed betting to just, in pennies. <laughs> yeah, well, I meant just as opposed to like competing with each other because instead of competing with each other, we should be trying to take money from the sports books because they're the ones who are making millions. Totally. So, totally. Um, but that, that aside, uh, it just it, is it really safe to say that Virginia is the better team? I, I believe that, but I'm starting to question it the more and more I see this plus two and a half by their name, it's, it's really weirding me out. Um, also seeing them like as an overall on the money line, they're a plus plus one twelve. That's not a huge split. So I think like, you know, if you bet like a hundred dollars and they win, I think you make like 90 bucks. So that's really, it's, it's not much. So it's making me think that, you know, even though they are underdogs, Vegas or wherever these odd makers are located, they're telling you that they're really not much of an underdog. And I just, I don't know what to believe. So I'm going with Virginia just because I, I've, 
I've seen them play and I think they're good. I've seen Louisville and I've seen them struggle. So, you know, I think that both teams, Louisville for sure is improving. I just think Virginia's better. So we'll move on from that. Um, I'm going to title this next game the Do They Even Have a Shot game? Because this is kind of a one team we already know is for real and they're just kind of cementing themselves as for real. The other team in this game is the the kind of mold of are you legit? And the first team is Georgia. We already know they're good. Their defense is incredible. Offense. Eh, we'll see who's playing JT Daniels or Stetson Bennett. Either way. I mean, their offense seems doesn't just, matter. Yeah. They just seem to, you know, kind of be a, not a crazy explosive machine, but still the machine. So the other, the team on the other side is Auburn. And to me, they are a very curious team this year because they went up to Penn state in an extremely hostile environment, almost pulled out a victory. Uh, and Penn State is one of those teams that is currently still undefeated. So they could, a few more wins under their belt, they could put their name in the hat for the playoff. Who knows? Uh, so seeing that, seeing that Auburn's also pulled off another, a few more in-conference victories, I put this game on the schedule solely because, you know, b- before we were recording, you were saying you were surprised that, you know, I didn't put Kentucky or an LSU on this, but to me, I'm kind of more interested in by the, uh, interested in this game because Auburn has a chance to prove themselves. Do I think they're going to do it? Absolutely not. <laughs> but it'll also just be kind of another, you know, measuring stick for Georgia to say, okay, you know, you went up against eighth rank Arkansas, you smacked them down. You were also at home. So now they're traveling to Auburn. Let's see what you guys do on the road in conference against another considered by the national media solid team. So Georgia opens up as 14 and a half point favorites. I think that's actually kind of being generous, uh, mainly because of what they did to Arkansas, <laughs> but I'm, I've got Georgia covering that easily. So I've definitely got them winning the game. Uh, the one thing that I'm very curious about your take on is the over under. Because that's at 45 and a half, which is surprisingly not the lowest over under that we have. And I say very surprisingly because of what we're going to talk about next. Uh, but that's that's a pretty low over under. Um, I'm still taking the under just because I think Georgia's defense is that good. And again, I don't think their offense is crazy explosive. I think they're just a machine. But do you see more points coming out of this? I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to copy your pick just verbatim going with Georgia. <laughs> um, how do I say this? At the very beginning of the podcast, we talked about the Dodgers just racking up wins and kind of having to just maintain their poise, knowing that they're going to make the playoffs. Um, I think that Georgia's kind of in that same boat. Um, it's very easy for one of these teams, one of these top tier teams to just slip up once, just lose their focus against a team like Auburn. Um, That's what made me and, curious about it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm not second guessing myself because Georgia's just a tank right now, especially defense wise. I mean, let's be real. Regardless of who's starting a quarterback for Auburn, I don't see them even being able to, to, to really put up points, um, which is why I'm going with the under. Um, and I don't see Georgia does not seem like a team that's going to blow you out by a substantial amount. They, they blew out Arkansas, but they, that was not a 45 to nothing game. 
right? Mm-hmm. It was the 35, I believe, 38, nothing, something like that. 37, so, I believe. 37. So, I mean, th- th- that's a butt whooping. Like, I- I'm not going to, to deny that. I just don't see Auburn being able to contribute much to the over-under. So... That, that's my thought process as well. I just, yeah. I, I don't see them being good enough. I mean, if, if Bo Nix was going to, you know, make a big step as a quarterback, I think he would have already done it. Uh, if they had, if this was like a Cam Newton type year, granted Cam Newton, total unicorn. Um, but if that was that sort of year for them, I could see it, but not, not right now. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I just, I, I don't want to say that Georgia's in that Bama territory right now. But they're in that banditory territory. They just don't have the years of experience behind it. They have a lot of very solid years. I mean, years that every other school would basically kill for. Um, but and they don't have Saban, but they have the roster to compete with Bama. Well, I mean, it's it's very much a you know you got to see it to believe it sort of thing. So until they prove it against Alabama, it's you know they're always going to be the little brother by comparison. Um, totally but but moving away from that one because i don't think by the end of that game there will be much intrigue to another game that i think could be intriguing uh it's the lowest over under we have at 41 and a half which is basically saying that they don't think both teams will make it to 20 which in college football is absurd um but not rare for both both these teams though no but we've got Penn State going to Iowa. And I get the feeling that the reason why the over-under is set so low is because of Iowa's defense and the fact that Iowa's at home. Uh, so yes. spoiler alert, I'm taking Iowa, which is a two-point favorite. I've also got them covering the two-point spread. And that's simply just because Iowa doesn't lose at home. You know, they've got that, that home field advantage with the Children's Hospital right there and the really cool fan thing that they do where they shine their cell phone lights to the, to the kids in the Children's Hospital. Um, that is what most people would can, would probably say is like a non-factor, but to me, you know, I, I think there's something special about that. Uh, you know, I think it definitely plays into, you know, the imposing nature of the, uh, of the stadium, just because, you know, you've got the fans who in the middle of a game will show how much they care about the little ones, you know, that are, that are right there suffering through the worst and then immediately turn right back around and start, you know, wrecking you verbally while you're on the sideline. <laughs> So I just, my rule of thumb when it comes to Iowa is that they're questionable on the road. Um, but, at, but at home, just assume that they're going to win unless maybe it's Ohio State at Ohio State's best. Uh, and I say that just a preface of, I, I don't know if Ohio State's at their best this year, but I've seen James Franklin in big games. He did win one against Auburn, but again, Auburn still kind of has to prove what they are. Uh Iowa in these big games, I will beat this point to death at home, just always seems to win. So give me Iowa, but give me the over. I think there's going to be plenty of points in this one. I am shocked by that line. I'm going to, I'm taking Iowa as well. I'm going the under. um, However, I see them covering. Okay. I mean, I, it's only two points, so that's why yeah. I've got them covering too. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm a little biased, and I want to see Iowa maybe make a sneak appearance over Penn State in the playoff. 
playoffs. <laughs> um, I, but so that's that's kind of where I'm going that with that. Also, I don't know. James Franklin is a really good coach. I have to wonder if – and the rumors have kind of died down a bit, but if that USC thing is still at all, you know, rattling around that locker room at all. Um, so – but it, it's just Iowa at home, like you said. Also, you know, you got to see that defense last week in full force. They're a tank. <laughs> Yeah, I just I think Penn State's offense is way better than Maryland's. I think especially once uh, Demas got hurt for Maryland, I think that it just changed everything. So, yeah, Sean Clifford is still a question mark. I mean, he's proven that he can play. He can complete a forward pass now. That was a question (laughs) at the beginning of the year. I just uh, I don't know. I I don't. Oh, wait, you had me. I, I I thought I said under. I don't oh, think I, is, I, I typed it in as over my, my apologies. No, you're all good. I, I just wanted to make sure I don't think a lot of points are going to be scored in this at all. I see this being like a 17, 14 game. I, if you say so, <laughs> I mean, I we'll mean, see. I, yeah. I mean, I said the same thing about Penn state and Wisconsin to start the year and that ended up being right. Uh, then I also said the same thing about Wisconsin, Notre Dame, and that ended up being wildly wrong. <sighs> Uh, so I don't, I don't know what to think. I just think that 41 and a half is just so low that I feel like in this day and age with the offenses being able to do what they can do, I feel like that it's just bound to get over 41 and a half. That just seems way too low. So that'll wrap it up for the FBS games that we have this week. But as is tradition, we have our FCS game of the week and Chris, we've got another top 10 matchup on our hands here. We've got South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits, low-key one of the best mascots in all of uh, collegiate athletics, going up against the Southern Illinois Salukis. So, Salukis, that's a crazy name. Yeah, so we've got a, a, a fun mascot matchup here. Uh, in fact, one might even say because Salukis are kind of like a, a variation of a greyhound that, you know, you've got the, the dog chasing the Jackrabbits, so, and especially... Southern Illinois is ranked number eight. Uh, South Dakota State is currently ranked number two. So that analogy is, is very perfect because, you know, I've got the Jackrabbit in front, got the Saluki chasing. A uh, few things that kind of stood out to me with this game. When it comes to scheduling, uh, South Dakota State currently 4-0. and They have beaten an FBS team in Colorado State. Uh, and I don't think that Colorado State's anything really too fantastic on no. the FBS level, but at the same time, still an FBS opponent. So maybe they get better players. Maybe they don't, I don't know. Uh, but Southern Illinois has also won several of their games, but they did lose to Kansas state. Now, granted Kansas state, generally speaking, much better program than Colorado state. And this was before Kansas state went uh, through some, some issues at their quarterback position. And they only lost that game by eight. So in terms of FCS, two high quality teams here, uh, now, I was also looking at, you know, some of their statistics and everything. Right now, it, it looks like, you know, Southern Illinois is averaging about 429 or 4, 430, if we're rounding up here, yards per game, which is third in the FCS, which would be great if South Dakota State wasn't averaging an FCS best 472. A lot of points are going to be scored in this. <laughs> I, I get the feeling on that one. Um, again, probably won't be broadcast on, on TV, but I ESPN will. ESPN Plus. 
Oh, okay. Uh, well, I will definitely be looking for that stream uh, because I think that this is going to be low-key, uh, a, a very fun game. Uh, also potentially a fun game because Southern Illinois Sneaky has also been featured in a Scott Van Pelt Bad Beat segment, which Whoa. means that a lot of craziness can happen with the Salukis. So I'm hoping that, you know, we get a nice, a good, like close game here because I, th- I think that it's setting up for it. Uh, South Dakota state does seem like they are a- an extremely balanced team. You know, they're averaging just about as many pass yards as they are rushing yards. Excuse me. It's about like a, a 26 yard difference between passing yards per game and rushing yards. Um, By comparison, Southern Illinois likes to chuck it around. It's about 277 to a 159 passing to rushing comparison. So does that play a factor in it? Probably, because it's going to make it a whole lot harder on Southern Illinois' uh, defensive coordinators. But in the end, with all that factored in, I am going to take the number two team. I'm going to take South Dakota State. Uh, the, the lines for these games generally don't come out until either like the night before or, you know, the morning of, but I will tell everyone who's listening that if you're interested, just hammer the over because there's going to be points, points, points based on how these offenses roll. Agreed. Agreed. Um, the Jackrabbits are averaging almost 49 points a game, which that right there is pretty nuts considering that they, uh, they are four and oh. And to the average almost 50 points a game is unheard of at regardless of what level you're at. Um, now the Salukis averaging almost 40 points. So that right there, take the over always. This is oh, going to yeah. be a, just two teams balling out, but yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to not take uh, South Dakota here. Also just because I mean, their color scheme, <laughs> Jackrabbit. I mean, the Salukis cool, but like Jackrabbits. So Going to San Diego, uh, San Diego State. Geez, I saw SD State, who, by the way, <laughs> is now in the top 25. But anyway, um, going South Dakota State here. We're, we're featuring the Dakotas a lot this year. And I mean, the, the Dakotas are good. Yeah. Just, Hockey and football, that's what the Dakotas do. Yeah. So, but um, the one thing that I will also say just about the over-under is that I question Virginia and Louisville being set at 69 and a half. Those are two FBS teams, which generally speaking means that they should have more talent, which also means that they should be able to score more points. And I would find it way more understandable if this game, South Dakota State and Southern Illinois, were listed at 69 and a half than Virginia Louisville. So that just tells you what I think is going to happen, you know, points wise with this game. I think there's going to be a ton of scoring. What do you think it'll be set at if you had to just? I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't really been able to see many FCS lines just because they can be hard to find, but I got to imagine that it's going to be up 65, probably somewhere in that range. I, yeah, it has, it has no, no lower than 60. Not a chance yeah. it's lower than 60. So that's going to wrap it up for us uh, for another week on the Avershawn podcast. Uh, again, make sure to follow us. We've got the Avershawn blog, which is on Blogspot. Uh, also got Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, AVG, S-E-A-N Media. Uh, it's the same across the board there. Uh, also, now that I'm up on Apple Podcasts with this, make sure to uh, rate and subscribe. And you know, if you want to drop a review, drop a review. Uh, I'd love to hear from everybody, regardless of whether it's you know, positive, negative, neutral, whatever. 
uh, just, you know, want to get some more interaction. So thanks everyone for listening and we will see you guys next time.